2: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: The hardest thing I had to do was to face my father.
4: Was that the last time he spoke to Your father.
3: That was the last time I seen him. And I don't think we even left with like a hatchet Kind of in silence. He stood there sitting there in the dark. When he just walked away. I do remember that when we were in our way to turn ourselves in, and we were tired and we away from our subdivision. I seen him driving down the street. I was able to see him. He didn't see me, but I was able to see him. He was going one way and I was going the other. In retrospect, I felt like that was the life I was leaning toward. I was going one way, and he, he was literally going the other way.
5: I'm Curtis from Jackson,
4: and I'm Charlie Webster.
5: And this is Surviving El Chapo, It's twins who brought down the drug war. I think we've all experienced these situations in life, maybe not to this extreme, but where everything is pulling you in one direction in your heart, you feel like you need to go in another direction, so you do what's right for you. Peter and Jay's father was their mentor in life. He taught them everything they knew about the drug trade and how not to get caught. Someone you're supposed to love unconditionally, now telling you that trying to do things the right way is actually the wrong thing. For most kids spending time with their dad, is playing ball on the weekend. But for the Flores twins, it was doing drug runs across the Mexican border, packaging weed into gas tanks, and unintentionally being a cover story to distract authorities from suspicious activities. After wrestling with it for 20 years, they were finally in a position where they had a chance to write a new path for the Flores name.
3: Two weeks after the chapter recording, and we get a call, it's a Sunday. Our attorney wants to talk to us. It's early, right? 10, 11 in the morning, around there. And he said, You know, the year's attorney wants to talk to you. He said, He wants you guys to turn yourselves in today. I remember looking at each other like, Wow, this reality just hit us. Huh? What? I remember our attorney like, he was more than our attorney. So he was like he was family and I remember he sat there quiet and he was like, Guys, maybe you guys don't have to do this. I want you guys to think about this. I remember my brother was like, It's too late for that. We talked to the DA agent and he said, You know, guys, it's time. We can't risk you guys anymore and all this will be for nothing if something happens to you guys and we want you guys to train yourself in, in two hours.
4: Two hours? They only gave you two hours notice? And I
3: said, what about our family, whatever? They're like, guys, like, you guys got to get them out of there. And basically, that wasn't the problem. We were like, the fuck you, like, you know, we were upset, like, that we were not being told these things, that we are like, last minute, we're the ones in the middle, like, we're the ones there. Like, what the fuck do you mean? Two hours, like, what's your plan? Like, oh, we can't tell you anything. I remember he also said, guys, there's a lot of people here betting that you guys are not gonna do it. This has never been done. They didn't even believe what they had. They didn't believe that we are gonna Change your life. they didn't believe we were going to turn ourselves in. I was confused, I was lost, I was like, now I was actually taking it in. I wasn't concerned about nothing else but about my, about my kids. One of the hardest things I've ever had to endure in my life, like, it hurt me, that I could replay my mind over and over again, and I did with 12. Years was actually like saying goodbye to my family the day I turned myself in. I felt like I was abandoning them. Here I was supposed to be doing something good, right? And I'm walking, I'm leaving them in harm's way. I went and I told Val, wow, like, it's time. They're asking me to turn myself in.
6: I don't think I understood. I think I was more in shock. We never knew how long it was going to last, but we didn't think it would come that fast. We had no exit plan. We didn't know what we were supposed to do. And I just went into, like, survival mode. Two hours, like, oh, my God. We had cameras all around the house. We have to get the security footage out. We have to get anything with their name on it out. When we leave, the cartel's gonna come and they're gonna go through our whole house and they're gonna try to find us. Anything that had our name on it, just trying to get my son's birth certificates and papers and like trying to find everything that was just important. I'm worried about them finding us and papers and like anything with their name, addresses
4: back in the States, like Chicago. Yeah, that can lead them to anything. Yes,
6: pictures. I was grabbing all the frames off the walls and just ripping the pictures out of the frames because I didn't want them to have pictures of us.
3: Everyone was like, what the fuck is going on?
4: Who was everyone, like the workers? What What were you saying?
3: And they said, "Bowsman." She said she, she wants to leave. Mad. She wants to leave. She says she's leaving me. What? She's mad, she wouldn't be okay. She's Like, why? She's thinking something. Who knows? Just leave her. And they're seeing her like practically tear the house up, and they're like trying to help her or anything. And just like, okay, like I remember telling them, go bring, bring the car. She wants to leave. I'm not even concentrating on that, Charlie. I'm not even. Like, I'm not there with her. You know, I actually have my son, you know, my baby, I'm carrying him. Like, I'm. anything I'm doing, I'm trying to spend those last precious moments with my son. It was just chaotic. Chaotic. We have babies.
6: I remember Peter and Viv coming over the house. And they live right next door. And they're there with my niece and... And Viv is sitting there in shock. And I'm just like running around the house, just running through the house. And I'm looking at her like, why is she so calm? Why is she not doing what I'm doing? They're gonna fucking find us. Why is she just sitting there? And like, I'm going through every drawer, every piece of paper I'm taking, like every picture, every videotape from the security footage ripping everything off the walls. Just acting crazy, and just like, where's the kids' birth certificates? How do we even cross the border? (laughs) Our kids were like born in Mexico, and we didn't know how how we were going to get our kids across the border. And we knew that if we stayed, we knew that we all be killed. I just didn't even take in that Jay's leaving in two hours. It was just, I wasn't crying. I was just running around the house. I didn't even take it in. I felt like I didn't spend those last two hours with my husband. I think it was like maybe 10 minutes saying goodbye, that's all. I got because I was just so busy, just trying to think trying to make sure that
4: oh, we were going to be okay. What did you say to each other in that 10 minutes that you had together? I don't think we said much. We were looking at each other and just,
6: that's when the tears just didn't stop coming down. I don't think talk our, our son he was two years old and he just knew something was wrong he was Jay's shadow he followed Jay around like everybody would every time they saw Jay like they knew they were, they were gonna see our son with him and they would like make a joke and call him mama cause they. Like, my son just wanted to be with him everywhere. He'd be in the bathroom. My son would be sitting there waiting for him to come out by the door. And if Jay would try going anywhere, like he was just tied to his leg, and he sensed something was wrong because he was just seeing me go running, 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 and Jay crying, and Peter crying, and Baby crying, and he was just looking around, and he just didn't understand what was happening.
3: I remember carrying my kids and with my baby. He was only two months old. And he was just staring.
4: Did you say anything the, to him?
3: No, I was just whispering. Or- I was just whispering to him, like, I remember saying, like I love you guys and I'm sorry. And I had been whispering to them in the ear when I would put them to bed because I already knew, like, I, I would like, just apologize to them. And, that, and I knew my son was going to be the one that was going to affect it the most. And, and, you know, just able to take the moment and just, it was weird, like, here I am thinking I'm doing something for them, but I know I'm hurting them. And I guess it's like, as a parent, I think that, Everyone, you always struggle when you think you're doing something good for them. That they, that's gonna like, make them suffer a little bit. But it's the best thing for them. And you know, just just taking a little moment where I was just holding them tight, and you know, that was important to me. I wasn't even thinking about prison then. I was just thinking more like, I wasn't gonna be there. That's all I could think of. You know, the government's calling and back and forth it's just they were kind of like pressing us a little bit like you guys are gonna have to meet you know at this time and don't tell anybody make sure you guys and I felt they were more worried about that Bring the recordings with you
4: did you still feel that you were doing the right thing in that moment
3: I I don't know I do know this that when it was time for me to go and I said goodbye to Val, to and we were in tears. And I said goodbye to my workers that were there with us. My son wouldn't let me go. That was hard. That was struck to kind of get him off me. And he said, I remember just being emotional, just jumping in the truck. I could hear my son
7: screaming, Dad. When I jumped in the
3: truck, I, I questioned it. To be able to walk away from Val and leave him there, you know? And in no time did she say, like, you know, don't, you know. <laughs> I think we said to each other, it's gonna be alright, right? We're
6: gonna get through this. We're gonna be fine. <laughs> we're gonna, like.
3: We're gonna be fine. We're gonna get through this. It was something this like this, but it was still hurt. It still hurt. Right? It
6: just it didn't feel right. It just. It just didn't feel right. It just. It just all felt wrong, and I wasn't saying nothing, I was just nodding, and I was just nodding my head back and forth, like, I just wanted to say, no, don't go, but I didn't, I was just nodding, It just didn't feel right. My son, he, his scream, like, his cry, like, We've never heard that from him. We've never heard that from him. And Viv and Peter were there. And they were just like busting out in tears because, like, it was like a, a cry of like pain and suffering. He was hanging on the door. And I was like, He was trying to open the door, but I was like trying to get away from the door because I didn't want the people outside to know that their dad left. Because like I didn't want them to report that there was something going on in the house. Because there was always security around and made it known i to trust.
2: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Group void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: That day, they had started to raid these houses that were in L.A., these stash houses and all these things were already in motion. Because I remember getting that call from, like, one of our associates saying, yo, they just hit the houses in L.A. I was like, shit. I was still there in Mexico. Still like cleaning up our pictures, like taking just stuff that we didn't want to leave behind. It was so difficult to like be thinking about all the stuff I had unfinished, you know? And like that, I was gonna have to leave Viv and the kid, my baby and our family there. And that we didn't really have that plan set up. Admitting that like it was like in our minds but not like that moment. And that was sad, man. It was hard. It was hard.
4: Why do you think you didn't have that plan, even though you knew it was coming?
3: I didn't wanna have a plan. I wanted to like continue lie to myself and not feel that I was gonna be taken away from the people I love most. I was so sad, I man. I remember I couldn't even hold back my tears. One of the last things I did was change my daughter's diaper. And I can still imagine that they like laying her down in that guest bedroom to change her diaper. And I could still see, like see blurry from the tears of my eyes. It hurt so bad to leave Viviana. It's just a terrible, terrible day for our family. Just trying to reassure everyone that you know not are going to be good, you know? That conversation with my dad, you know, I'll never forget. Just so much, you know? I thank Viv for, like, trying to motivate me, keep me positive about something that she was dealing with so much on her own. But it was hard because nobody was telling me, okay, you know, like, you're doing the right thing. Everybody seemed to be against it. What I was dealing with was so hard. You know, seeing her, seeing the baby, like giving it back to Viv was so hard. And then, like thinking, like I'm trying to tell my brother, come on, you know, we're gonna have to get ready to go. And remember, hearing my little nephew cry so bad, like he just felt something.
4: What was the last thing you said to each other?
7: I don't think that we even talked as much, you know. I don't think that the tears allowed us to to um, let our let us say our goodbyes.
3: I didn't want to say goodbye to her. It was scary to think that, you know, that I could like lose like her, and my family, and everything, and. just trying, you know, it's scary to uh, unknown for for me and my brother as well, you know. And I look at her to then, she was always worth it, I'm glad that, I'm glad I did it for her. Glad it was her, like, she's the only person that would have probably ever have been able to get me to do something crazy like that.
4: But walking away from her must have been
3: terrible. I mean, like I said, like, drowning in emotions and feelings and... And
4: not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, and honestly,
3: I could tell you right now that although I was leaving her behind, she was in the front of everything, you know, like, she was, like, not behind me, but more in front of me in my future, you know. That's what I was searching for, like, like, I'm going to go face this nightmare to, like, Mm -hmm. be with her again, you know.
4: But weren't you concerned that you got in that car with the agents? And then what if somebody found out and then I they're know, still all left it behind? It was all that. Because they weren't protected. Yeah,
3: were I, I was upset that they, they didn't have, like, an escape plan for my family. They just, only concern was get the two witnesses out.
7: And there was no, like, exit strategy for mm. none of us out of there?
3: I remember thinking, like, damn, like, the okay. Like, look, go now. Like, don't wait. Don't wait. Go now. Me, like, go, and I'm saying, go wait. get on the plane and go.
7: It was a a bunch of us. And then, I mean, there was no flights. I mean, they told us the same day. When we
3: say this to you, like, think about it, we left food on the table. Yeah. We left everything in the everything. fridge. Everything. Our clothes, every piece of garments and the clothes and all kinds of stuff. We just left everything.
7: I took, I took my baby and. Her diaper bag and I was just like sitting on the sofa like just
3: we left our dream home you know
7: lost without him I didn't even know I'm like I just I just wanted to get the hell out of there I just wanted to get out of there and it was just so many of us and everyone's like scrambling around and I'm just sitting there just with my one little diaper bag and just sitting there like let's get out of here
3: we jumped in the trap Two agents, that you guys made the recorders a gas. And we were emotional. It's OK, guys. You guys are doing the right thing. And they started driving towards the airport. How many guys are with you? Two.
4: Two agents.
3: Just two. And we go to the airport. And we went down to like the private side where the private planes are and there's a hangar and the military has a checkpoint. And they asked us to like school down. They don't want no one to see us. And they showed the diplomatic like IDs. And they let us in and we drove into this like hangar. Where there's an officer. I don't know if he was military or what it was, but he was actually there. We stood in the truck, but they got off, and they had the lights off. And I remember they were looking at the federal police, and they were hiding from them. You know, so I told me they didn't trust them. You know, they are hiding from them. They are actually driving by or walking by. You know, there's a lot of federal police, and they are focusing on this one plane. It was kind of a big one, but it was probably driving by or walking by. And, you know, there's a lot of federal police like, and they're focusing on this one plane. It was kind of a big one, but it was probably a plane. We're in the dark in the hangar. We stood there for like a long time, probably an hour and a half. And in between them, just calling about just have you left it, have you left it? It's those type of conversations. Are you okay? And she would be like, They're asking for you. They're asking for you. I want to tell them, Jan, I want to tell them. And by the time I went to meet someone, you know, I felt so helpless. So I started having a little bit of anger. Like, I'm having anger because I'm sitting in this bulletproof truck with them and our family's over there. Like, this is for them. Me being in danger is one thing. And I was disappointed in myself, I was, I was angry. It's just like nerve-wracking, like. I think I'm, I always say I'm mentally strong, I just can't even, so many thoughts, so many things come into my mind. My mind and iPhones are ringing, ringing. Tapu's <laughs> cousin is calling because they just had raided one of their stash houses in LA. And he's like, hey, check on your guys. They just hit one of the houses. No, it's us. That was getting us upset because we're still in Mexico. They had started like an operation, and that was the first house they hit. I go to so many houses, I think in Mexico, and we're still sitting in Mexico, and I was don't stop ringing. We literally have bad Oh, they don't stop ringing. We're not even paying attention to it. You know, I have people that are calling me.
6: So were you, you, know, you answering the call?
3: Yeah, like, those I would answer. Like, it's okay. Oh, you pop out. No, she's she's all right. You know, she's upset. She's going to be all right. But she's packing up a car. Leave her, leave her. Are you sure you want me to go with her? No, no, no. Just leave her. Just making shit up. It was just the worst nightmare, I guess. The worst nightmare I could think of. And the worst price I felt like we were doing it. We were doing it, we were the cause. And it took a few hours and I remember a, a big plane lands. And I, and I guess that was the plane that we were gonna go in, and they drive us up to the plane. And they're like, guys, whatever you do, don't look anywhere. Just go straight into the plane. Just they didn't want them, no one to see us. The plane is like a cargo plane or something because I remember it has the seats this way, like on a bench, like a bench. And I remember like it was dark that like the, it was really dark. The inside of the plane was dark. So when I go, I'm not handcuffed, nothing. I go in the plane and I look, there's like 12, 14. Marshals and agents in there. They have guns on them. They have, like, rifles and they have guns on them turning the plane. And they're like, are you guys okay? You know, just talking to the agent. They're more in, like, operation mode. And we get them, we sit down and just wear we're, we're our phones, you know, our bag of phones. And we each have our bag of phones. And it didn't take long for us to fly out of there.
6: When Jay and P laughed, it's like, I just, all I could remember was just seeing their faces. They just looked so lost. It just sparked something in me because I knew, I knew like there was just no plan for us. I couldn't get their faces, like the image of their faces out of my head because they're just the defeated, and I knew that they were just only worried about us getting out safely. At that point, people were coming to the house, and they were knocking on the door. They were asking for Jay and Peter. These are the same people that would be at my house every day always there. Everywhere they went we couldn't move around the city freely at that time. They had to keep tabs on them always and like I just didn't know what to say and the clock was ticking and I'm just trying to get everyone together and trying to get all the stuff in the car when when asking me what's wrong, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm leaving. He's like, you're taking the kids. I'm like, I'm leaving him. He's cheating on me and he's like, it's not true, we would never do that to you. Don't take the kids like this. And where are you going? And I'm like, baby, come with me, baby, come on. And I'm trying to put on the show. I need you to come with me. I'm so afraid because I'm like What are we gonna say? Like why are we both leaving at the same time? Why would we be leaving with all the kids? I didn't know what to say and I'm just like, Baby, let's go, you're coming with me. And she's like lost. She's like looking at me and she's just like frozen. She's not saying anything. Like, come on, we put the babies in the car, come on. I got in my car, and she gets in her car, and I'm like, just follow me, and we're loading bags in the car, and she's just looking at me, and she's scared. She's just nodding her head and, like, tears in her eyes, and I'm like, get in the car. And then, by that time, other people showed up, they're like, what's going on? And I'm like, a thing, and... At that point, I was just fucking scared. I was just scared. I was scared out of my mind. I'm like, okay, I gotta get out of here. So I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like, okay, I'm just leaving. And we just drove. And I'm calling my, to make sure my mother-in-law and my father-in-law are there. My nephews are there. My Everybody's there. I'm like, making sure that the whole family is together and... And I'm like, we're driving out the subdivision right now. We're going to meet you on this street. We meet on the street and we're like, we're going, we're going, we're going. And at that point, they've called her dad. And him and my brother in law came. They flew in to the first place we went to was the airport to pick them up so they can help us drive back. At this point, there's like eight cars following each other. And I'm like, we look so fucked up right now. I'm scared to separate. And I knew we should have separated, but I'm like, there's no way we could separate. I was just too scared to drive alone.
4: It's a 12 hour trip from Guadalajara to the border crossing at Laredo.
6: Every border town in Mexico is cartel-infested because these towns are so vital to the massive drug flow into the U.S. Here we are in Nuevo Laredo, which is controlled by a rival cartel, Los Zetas, who are known to be the most savage cartel in Mexico. They have committed some of the most brutal acts of violence, like torturing people, beheadings, decapitating. I remember just how
4: terrifying it
6: was, not knowing if I was going to be able to get there.
4: The family were crammed into the cars. Val, Vivi, Vivi's dad and brother, Jay and Pete's mom and dad, Margarito Sr., their older sister, older brother Armando and his wife, plus three teenagers, a two-year-old, and three babies who were only a few months old. The eight-car convoy began its journey.
3: I see the plane land. First of all, the agents were like, I didn't think you guys were going to show up. I'm like, thanks, man, you're not helping me. Like, I'm broken right now. And then they are hiding us through the checkpoint, the military checkpoint, into the private hangars where the plane were waiting for the plane to land. And my brother and I heard that the plane was going Mexico City which is south of Guadalajara we're like why let's go that way they're like no for whatever reason we had to go to Mexico City first I'm like no let's just leave here please let's just I felt that paranoid like I want to be out of Mexico like we're not safe here and no we had to go to Mexico City and they had like a they had rented like a hotel and they had like the whole All the whole hotel was like closed down And there was, like, a lot of agents. Like, I'm talking about, like, 50, 60 agents. I remember landing, and I was still able to communicate with my wife. Viviana. Saying, please, please leave. Like, what are you guys waiting for? I was so pissed off that Val was packing stuff. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this woman? And I remember, like, that marshal in charge. Like, he seen me on the phone. Like, why is he still on his phone? They bring us into this hotel room, and they surround us, and they're, like... Again, asking those questions, and... It was so, like, hectic. Why would just wanted to leave? Like, oh, my stomach hurt. I got sick. I'm throwing up all the way back. They're mad at me. I'm on the plane. It's miserable. They didn't take us the next morning. I'm just like, you know, just wanting to leave. Like, I just want to leave Mexico. You know, the phones are blowing up. Just, like, extended stay. Little... Hotel. The the crazy part about this, we have a house, a stash house, two blocks from there, where I have, like, three of my workers sitting. No. And I'm like, fuck. And I guess they, like, got a whole floor, because I remember they kind of, like, covered us, and we went up to the elevator, and on the second floor, the agents were actually out. They have, their, like, rifles in their hand. They have, a, like, probably the whole floor of a hotel, like, rooms. And they put us in this room, and a bunch of marshals come in. And there's, like, four agents and marshals in there with us. So it's like, you know, they got two beds, and it's like, they're just sitting on the on the bed, and different places. me and my brother, Peter, sitting on the bed, and we're kind of talking to each other, like, laying, Know, like, what's going on? I remember he's showing me that that was cousin and and them her calling, like, they don't stop calling. And we just didn't answer. I'm checking up on Val. By the time we got to her room, had said that she was on the road, which was like big relief. I mean, it was relief that she was on the road, but it was like I think they were traveling like eight or nine, okay, like around eight or nine cars all luxury vehicles going toward enemy territory. That was scary to me. And I couldn't even say it, like, what was I gonna do? It was like a risk anywhere we, like, any turn we took, it was risky. And I just kept calling her. It was just like, where are you? Because she was not gonna have phone service, right? and like, please call me every, Chance you get, please call me. I would ask her about the babies, right? I was exhausted. I could have dozed off. It was late at night, but then I could have dozed off and I remember waking up and I had no cause. That worried me. It worried me like it was like 5, 6 in the morning. No cause, like I remember uh, getting up in the marshals are like, kind of, some are up, some are like dozing off, and I, I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna just wash up. I remember like I'm gonna shower, you know, it could be my last free shower right then. Because I don't know what, we're ha- what was happening right before and did that. Did
4: they tell you anything?
3: Huh? They're not saying nothing. And uh bound I'm calling. And she was like at a, like more closer to the border, and, that was like a sense of relief she's like we drove through the night you know i'm so tired what are we gonna do like listen just drive to the border just drive straight to the border just when you get there just explain to you know who you are and i think we were making calls like you know my brother mando wasn't born in the u.s so he can't just come across my father it's in the same situation. I hate the future. I was trying to make calls and... Calls to... To like, to our journey to, you know... To, to try and to use make journey. sure they could cross I the border. Well, right? we're going to do, what we could do, guys, like, you know... I feel like they weren't even paying attention to that. I understand that they had a lot going on, but their main focus was me and my brother. As it's always been, right? Like, fuck everyone else, just... You know, their easy way out is like they always have the easiest plan, like no feelings, too bad. And I get it, right? Like, I guess they're not concerned about our family, they're concerned about their own or their, their case or whatever the case is. And since they one, I think all we would say, like, this is for our family. They have to be the center of you know I always thought they they would understand that. And I don't know, just a bunch of calls and just chaos. Once it was like 9, 10 in the morning, we left the hotel and they took us back to the hangar. And now it's, you know, like it's alive, right? People everywhere, workers, you know, I guess it's like a cargo type airport in that section. So they're like just all kinds of people. So they literally, they leave us in a truck. I tell you, for like at least two hours, we're sitting there in the truck nervous right and we're still making calls we're tired and and I, I know that Val ended up going to a, to a hotel
6: I was too scared it's just me in the car with my two babies in the back it looked like this whole like entourage and we had had to drive 12 hours to get to the border I would drive to the border all the time so I knew the roads I knew them like the back of my hand but I'm like we gotta pass through all these towns we look so fucking crazy and it's the night and it just looked like we had flashing lights just like the spotlight on us and we drove through the whole night we didn't stop. We stopped one time for gas. But I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. I was freaking out with everyone, freaking out. And everyone was confused. And they was like, what do we do? I kept saying, what do we do? I'm like, we go, we go, we go, let's go. When I seen him scared, it scared me. I was just more scared because I felt like, oh, what the fuck? What do I know? I just felt like everybody was looking at me to figure it out.
4: Be the strong one. I'm sitting there like, what Safe the fuck challenge. do I know? I don't even have any direction. We had
6: no phone service. I couldn't call Jay. I couldn't ask him what to do. And I just kept going and my adrenaline was going. I wasn't even tired, we didn't sleep, I didn't care. I just wanted to get to the border, I just wanted to get there. And then the man was like, we're gonna go to the hotel. We knew exactly which hotel we're going to. It's the same one we always go to. It's the hotel it's right there at the border. You could literally see the border from the hotel. And he's like, we gotta go to the border. Like, me like, my dad can't, we can't cross. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we can't cross. We have no papers. They're not going to let us in. We can't go. I'm like, I can't leave you here. He's like, "No. we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to stay. We're not going to be able to get across the border. And I'm like, then we're all going to go to the hotel. And we went to the hotel. And I remember it was early morning still dark outside and maybe like five six in the morning and we get there we're like okay and then Mando's like I'm gonna check in I'm gonna get rooms I'm like all right we're gonna sit we're gonna wait and we're gonna make sure they're gonna let us cross they're gonna let us into the into the U.S. and then he's like okay so, we go to lay down, and then not too long afterwards, my phone is ringing, 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 and I jump up, and it's Mondo. He's like, wow, my nephew called his girlfriend, and he told her that we were at the border. And I'm like, why would he do that? Why would he do that? He's like, I don't know. He's talking to his girlfriend and he was telling her bye and he said that we're at the border. And I'm like, I going not know we're here. We gotta go. He's like, I know. We all got up. I think we weren't even there for a half hour. I'm like, we got to go, we got to go. We can't be we over here. And I'm paranoid because my nephew's girlfriend, her family's in the cartel. Oh, God. And he's like, we can't leave, Mondo. I'm like, they're going to switch hotels. We got to get out of here. I'm going to switch hotels. I'm so, as we're going to leave, I'm so nervous and scared that I remember that. I hit the side of the, it's like these Lopez, which is kind of like slows you down. I hit the side, it was like a steel one, and it just ripped my tire off the rim. And so, we're in the middle of the street, on the busy street. We could see the board, it's like at the next stoplight. And I'm like, the fucking tire, the fucking tire. So my nephews jump out and their model jumped out and they're trying to jack the car up and put the spare tire on. And he's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I was like, no, I can't be the car because this one's under my name. That car was under my name. I'm like, I can't leave the car. She was like, fuck that car, let's go. I'm like, no, we're going, we're going. And they're like hurrying up. And it's dark, but the sun's starting to come up. And then they're like, no, we got it. We got it, let's go, we got it. So then we jump back in the cars. And mind you, we're like in the middle of the street at this point, And we just look so fucking crazy because there was just so much commotion going up. And so we drive up to the border, and we get there. And they ask us for our papers. And I'm giving them my passport. I'm giving them my kids' papers. I was, like, the first one to get there. And they're like, hold on, hold on. Because I'm like, go, 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 go. And they were like, stop, no. You can't come in. Stop. What are you doing? No. And I'm like, no, you got to let us in. They're coming. They're coming out the office and they're like, stop. And I'm like, no, they're going to kill us. I jump out of the car and I see Vivi and she's sitting in the car freaking out. And then he's like, you can't come in. You can't come in. you got to wait. everyone got to wait. I was like, no, we can't wait. We got to go in. He was like, no. Nobody moved the cars. And at this point, we're all lined up, and the cars are stuck. And I'm like, they're gonna kill us. They're gonna fucking kill us. You gotta call. You call, call Chicago, call the DEA, call the U.S. government, Like you gotta call someone. They're gonna kill us. We gotta get out of here now. And they were like, kind to pull to the side. So they allow the cars to come through. And they pull us to the side, and we're past the first light, but there's the second light that we can't come through. We're just pulled to that side. And then I'm like, listen, I said, we have to get out of the country. We have to get back to the U.S. We're U.S. citizens. And they're like, well, where's all the papers? I'm like, my kids, (laughs) they were born in Mexico. And they're like, well, they can't come in because you don't have the right paperwork. I said, no, you don't understand. You don't understand, we're U.S. citizens. My son is, he's a U.S. citizen. He's got dual citizenship. Just by me being a U.S. citizen, he's a U.S. citizen. I just don't have the paperwork yet, but they can come in. And he was like, no, we have to make phone calls and we're calling, we're calling Milwaukee. We're calling the lawyers. We're calling everyone that we could possibly call. And I remember my phone ringing. I don't know if Jake has been in contact with someone or what, but my phone rings. And I'm like, hello. They're like, this is, I think his name is Matt. He's the one that was in charge. He was a US attorney from Milwaukee. He's like, listen, it's okay. I'm like, no, we're stuck here and they don't want to let us in. And my kids don't have papers and we don't know what to do. You have to tell them that you have to let us come in. And he's like, Yes, don't worry, you need to calm down. You need to calm down, everyone has to calm down. Just listen to me, what I'm telling you. And I'm like, what? He was like, they're going to take you into the office, and you're going to show them all the paperwork you have, and they're going to let you come in, making phone calls, or calling DC, or calling. They're going to let you guys in. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, but we're in your custody, right? He's like, yeah. You guys are okay. You guys are going to be fine. I promise. And I'm like, okay. So I hang up. And then I'm like, baby, get out the cars. Come on, let's get out the cars. We're going into the office with the kids. And it was like cold outside. I remember, and we're taking the babies inside. We get in there, and I'm like, here's our papers. This is what we have. And they're like, Do you have any guns on you? Do you have any money on you? And I'm like, what? I'm like, no. They're like, okay, well, we just have to ask. And we need all the keys to the cars. Because we have to put the cars on the x-ray machines to make sure that you guys are not bringing anything back with you. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Just let us in. And they were like, No. We just have to, this is routine. I'm like, it's not routine. So I called back the U.S. attorney from Milwaukee, and I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, what's happening? Why are they doing this to us? Why can't they just let us in? He was like, this. it's routine. They have to just, they have to search the car. They have to make sure that nobody's bringing nothing back. I was like, I said, you don't understand. My brother-in-law, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law are still back. At the border, my nephew called his girlfriend. That's to switch hotels. Like, they know we're here. Like, please just tell them to let us in. Don't worry. You're going to be coming in. I just need to, like, check everything first. And at that point, I knew. I just knew this was our life. It didn't matter. Like, Whatever JMP did and cooperated, I knew at that point that we were always going to be treated that way. They were going to always look at us like criminals. I knew it. And I just, I felt like we made such a huge mistake. I just felt like these are the people that are supposed to be helping us. These are the people who are supposed to be keeping
4: us safe. You felt like you've made a huge mistake by the cooperation. Yeah. Because no matter what, they were never going to. Bearing in mind you had a 6 week old baby in your arms at that point, and a two-year-old. That must have been really distressing.
6: I didn't understand why they just didn't allow my brother-in-law and my father-in-law to come. I didn't understand why they didn't let them come in. I didn't understand why they didn't make the calls. I didn't understand why they didn't do anything to help us. I don't understand. My brother-in-law sat there for two days, three days before they could help him. And I remember... When they finally let us through, I was just like, oh my God, we fucking made it.
3: I ended up leaving Mexico City. They put us on, they have like a, a big, like, private jet. We're on the plane with a few agents, one of them being the agent from the gym. He tells me, he said, this is just so crazy. I'm like, what? He said, you know, my whole family knows you. I said, huh? He said, you grew up on 26th Street. And my family has a business that you would go to. He didn't want to tell me what business. Like I knew you as a kid. And I was like like you know, I spent the time like just giving him different businesses that, you know. I think it was a hardware store. I, I just have a feeling he was just asking me questions, you know. But it's weird because he was asking us questions but about about our life but not because I was cooperating, it was more like talk, like curious to know things. Growing up on 26th Street, my neighbor next to me, who they own a construct, it was a construction company or like an electrical company. He the house had burnt down, they turned it into an office, and it was like the house right next to us on on the north side, my neighbor to the north. And uh the neighbor would always be nice to me and my brother. He would buy us like popsicles and always talk to us and he, you know, his truck would roll up and he would leave it open and go in the office, you know? And they had like a big, kind of big window. And I'd see him all the time and I remember his family not quite like like I remember he had a family, I just don't remember like back then, you know, their faces but While I was cooperating, a new agent had came into the the team that was like, I guess, was um, handling our case over the years. And I remember, like, she came in. To me, I felt like she looked familiar, and I just kind of, like, look at her. But I guess I was just used to seeing different agents. And she said, you know my dad? And I said, huh? Like, you know my dad? Do you remember who used to buy your popsicles when you were a kid? And the, the minute she said that, I, I mean, maybe because I also knew her last name, I put it together. He's your dad? And she was like, "Yep." like, oh my God, like, I remember being a kid and sitting on the stairs just waiting for him to show up like every day, you know, around that 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, especially in summertime because he would always like, you know, crack a joke, say, hey, really nice man, you know. And she's like, that's your dad. I grew up, for a while I lived right next to you. And I'm like, wow. You know, like sometimes you can't make this stuff up.
4: And she works on your case.
3: She's actually probably still in, as part of the case, part of that team. And it was ironic that she knows a lot of my childhood. Then. Her dad definitely knew, you know who my family was and how we grew up. And here we are, you know. So there's a chance I do see that. Like here's um our neighbor, right? He's an agent, and we're drug traffickers. People do make it. People do good things. You always are known for the, like the bad people right like if you think about chicago oh the violence no it, it just seems like the negative always is going to be what what's remembered for or how you're perceived i was sitting on that plane i just remember like being tired and we're just like making small talk and um we still have our phones with us and stuff like that That whole night, you know, our phones were just going off steadily, steadily, everyone is calling. Our workers from the States. We land uh, in Dallas. I remember we kind of taxi, like, close to uh, another hangar. We wait there for a little while. And I see that, you know, Customs comes, you know, to the plane and they bring the stairs and comes to the plane and they're like, all right, Let's get out. Weird to feel relieved to land at Dallas Airport. To feel relieved to land in America was like in the USA. It was so weird, like to finally feel like okay, we're not in Mexico. But having that thought about where's my family at? We are walking down, and I see he has our birth certificate, you know, an ID like an ID picture in his hand. And uh, when we land, she, it's a lady, she checks the document, okay, and she's okay. And uh, I remember I took the last step and I just like stretching out my legs a little bit and my brother gets gets behind me and he like, okay. And they're like, all right, turn around. And I said, excuse me. He said, turn around. Put your hands behind your back. And it hit me. they put the handcuffs on us. That was weird, like, my brother and I looking at us like, this is is their life. From now on. You know? Handcuffs and shackles. They read me my rights. And it's like, They took the phone, they started searching us. That was when, like, reality just hit me. All that has came to this. In a way, I was like, well, what do I expect, right? And again, I'm supposed to know this. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to think about these things and I can't even tell you, like, yeah, you were thinking like prison, but I it didn't cross my mind. Not even that day, not even me, you know, landing, but it brought me back to reality 100%, that no matter what, no matter what I did, no matter how much I sacrificed, and, you know, I was still going to be, you know, a prisoner, right? I was still a wanted person, and I was going to have to pay for my mistakes, for sure. You know that having those handcuffs. I mean, he, they shackled me. I was like, hey, do you have to shackle me? Like, yes. Just keep telling ourselves that we're doing the right thing. I remember asking the agents over and over, please, could you just check on my family? Yeah. It's weird to be like, you're on an express jet, like a brand new G5, you know, U.S. Marshals jet, speeding through, just take us to prison. It's not just the steel on your on your legs and hands. I think it's more like the meaning, right? That's when I think the guilt kind of started, like, coming and, like, I have to pay, right, for everything I did. So we, we sat there for a while, probably refueled, and jumped back down on the plane, this time shackled and handcuffed. And it was just different. now. the ride was different. It's a little quieter, you know. Me and my brother. But I think we we just like that. This is what we signed up for, and we end up flying into a small airport right up north of Chicago that actually we used before to transport money. And landing the airport on, um, I remember. When the plane landed, me looking out the window and I just saw nothing but police lights and lots of them. We taxi in. When the door opens, it's cold, like it's it's really cold out. And the door opens and it's like they just walk in. I remember stepping a foot outside the airplane and standing there and I just see the sea of like blue jackets. Like D-E-A-U.S. Marshals. And I just started getting like pictures, flashes of blah, blah. pictures being taken. And when I saw the cars and like all the agents in Marsh was just like staring at us, I think it was the first time I ever felt like, holy shit, I'm not just a drug dealer, right? I had no idea to me I was just selling drugs. I was just doing what I did. It was like a reality. Like, why are we doing this? How did we get here?
4: Right in the middle of us recording this podcast. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, okay, so we're we'll going to start right yeah. well, Let me see where you Phones started to ring. Val and Viviana rushed out of the room to take the calls and very quickly, the mood changed. You could feel this nervous energy as Jay and Pete realised something was wrong. 50 and I had left the house to give the family some space. An hour later, we returned to try and continue recording. Things felt very heightened. Can you say what is happening today or would you rather not?
7: Um... I think that, I think that our fear of the revenge is something that we that we don't touch on as much as I think that we should, Charlie. Like I think that we don't touch on that.
4: The fear of retaliation from the cartel for what Pete and Jay did is a constant threat in the lives of the Flores family. But it's not just the cartel that they're afraid of.
3: You know, we, we pray for the best outcome for our family. You know, and whatever that that is we're trying to you know start fresh and start a new life with so many things like demons like chasing behind us like scratching our feet.
6: I feel like we do live in fear. I feel like we're always going to live in fear. I feel like our life is never going to be normal.
4: Only a couple of months after the twins came out of prison Val and Viviana were arrested in their own homes. I see them surround my house and
6: they came in with the SWAT team and and army garb and shields and helmets and AR-15s. I couldn't believe that they came in ready to knock the door down when I seen them coming that looked like a bunch of soldiers in front of my house and they're marching up the street to come to the house. And I remember running to my son's room, my daughter's room, and waking them up and telling them, the feds are here, the feds are here.
4: Both of them were released after a few days, but they have pending charges against them for money laundering. This all goes back to when Pete and Jay turned themselves in Back in 2008, Val and Viviana collected drug money owed to their husbands. Pete and Jay's older brother Armando was also involved and is named on the same indictment. The calls that Val and Viviana received whilst we were recording this, were to tell them that Armando had turned and to save himself, had decided to cooperate with the government against Val and Viviana. Vivian and I are looking at
6: up to 10 years in prison. And that's a real number.
3: It's part of the reason why we wanted, I wanted to share the story. These decisions we make, no matter how they are, or whatever we try to fix, it's coming at a cost to this day. We're still trying to make things right. We're still trying to correct our wrongs. And, and you know, we might get something right on one end and, and fail on and somewhere else. Everything comes with a price. We're sharing the story, not to glamorize. If anything, I would think they'd be like, wow, you know what? They're doing the right thing by sharing the story so you can see how much suffering it is.
7: I guess no one really understands, like, you know, our husband's cooperation really made people upset. They had PIs in front of our house, and nobody understands exactly what, you know, what we've been through because of our husband's cooperation and I feel like we're still living through it.
3: Just this morning, like, we had a, a, a little laugh thinking that we were sitting all four of us were sitting there discussing some issues. And at that moment of the bathroom scenario came back into our minds, you know, when we were talking about coming in and cooperating. I guess we we're, were actually staying at, like, the... Bathroom was like right there. Mm-hmm. And we were actually talking. We did have a laugh about something that wasn't so good to hear. And uh, we put, hey, seems like we're still in that washroom. Mm-hmm. You know? In that bathroom. In that bathroom. Um, in that
6: bathroom. Sitting on the bed and we're talking and we're like talking about today was court and we're talking about mine and Viviana's sentence. And my brother-in-law, and we're just, like, trying to wrap our head around it. And I'm like, guys, this is exactly where we were <laughs> in, in Mexico in 2008.
5: 2008.
4: No, like, same scenario. It feels yeah. like
5: that.
3: It's kind of, it wears you down a lot to just keep continuing going through things, and throughout, not only now, but throughout the whole sentence and through everything. And I look back sometimes, and I look at my brother, and I think the other scenario was just like, this send our wives back home like mm-hmm. live your life and let me and my brother just do what we're doing, and, and just whatever happens, happens. Because sometimes I don't know if that would have been any better. I'm grateful for my family, but you know, that situation is always like that question.
6: Did would you- we
3: have been worse off, or we yeah. would we have been better?
6: My attorney today, I had a conversation with him this morning and he just was trying to put everything into perspective and he was just saying that it's just really hard to understand what me and Viv being mothers, being wives and everything we've been through and our husbands basically have a life sentence because of the way that we have to live our lives. It's never going to go away. And for us to be facing the time that we're facing, he just can't understand it. It's just hard for anyone to fathom, right? I definitely feel like it's a life sentence for all of us. As far as um, prison time, I feel like that hurts even more because the crazy thing is, is I think that some way, somehow we've always, like Jay said, lived with fear and it's almost like it's part of our life. I feel like I don't have any regrets. I feel like this is where I'm at. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I take responsibility. I take accountability for all my wrongs, all my rights. I think that it's made me into a stronger person. I feel like it's made us all you know, resilient and strong but I think that it's just us not being together is the scariest part of it all.
4: As things stand at the end of production on this season, the trial for Viviana and Val is set for mid-2023.
5: Keep it here. The epic next season is coming.
4: On the next season of Surviving El Chapo, the twins who brought down a drug lord. Hear the next part of Pete and Jay's story and find out what happens as the Flores family continue to face the consequences of their decision.
3: As soon as I step through one of the doors, they lock it. It's a special unit for cooperators. They take me there and I'm like, excuse me, man, for how long am I here for? And she said, for good. Here I am, transferred to a new prison, and uh, I get put in a cell. And I was supposed to be alone, and then they came like, oh, you're gonna have a sally. Make room, he should be here any minute. When he gets there, I look, I'm like, oh my God, I know you. I'm with Sammy the Bull. It's the worst place. The food is cooked by the inmates. So every time they send the food trays up, they come with a little special surprise. I'm talking about every time. If it's gonna be a dead rat, roaches, who knows what they do to the food. It was like Valentine's week. I remember, like she gets up to go make the baby a bottle, rinsing the bottle out in the bathroom.
7: I told Peter, I'm like, come in.
3: I remember just walking to the bathroom. I just missed her so much. So you. Yeah, so we got busy.
4: Yeah. In,
3: in the toilet, yeah. in the bathroom. In the bathroom.
9: What happened to your dad in the end?
3: He was taken to an entire ranch. They found his vehicle with a note in it. It was a threat. But us cooperating. I'm nervous. I'm like, I can't find my comfortable spot. I'm cold and my mouth is so dry. I could see, like, the defense table off to the left, and here comes the juror. And they walk in, and right away, as soon as they walk in, they're, they're looking at the witness seat. They don't stop staring at you. I'm sitting there, like, nervous. And then I look, and I see that they're, they're letting Chaplin. And my stomach just like, oh, I, and he's smiling, saying hi to everybody. And then he comes and he turns around and he stares right at me. He's just staring at me.
4: And we'll bring you all the latest with Val and Viviana's trial. There's only, only so much somebody can take. Make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast to be the first to find out when season two drops. Stay tuned. Surviving El Chapo, the twins who brought down a drug lord, is hosted by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson and me, Charlie Webster. Our producers are myself alongside Jackson McLennan. Research and editorial support is from Casey Hertz. Edit and sound design by Nico Palella, Original score by Ryan Sorenson. Executive produced by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson and myself, Charlie Webster. If you'd like to know more about this story, head over to lionsgatesound.com. Curtis 50 Cent Jackson presents a Lionsgate Sound and G-Unit audio production exclusively for iHeart Podcasts.
9: for For more info now.